I'm Mike Simmons, and this is the Yearbook Wise Podcast. Hello, friends, and uh, let me say it's great to be back with you after a longer than anticipated hiatus. It's been quite a while since we've talked last, and it's, um, it's been a busy go. My kids had a, an excellent time at the LEGO Robotics Championships in Detroit uh, over spring break, and we got back from that and went right into producing our spring supplement, finishing a yearbook project with my Tesserae kids, uh, where they sponsor one of our local elementary school's uh, yearbook clubs. Uh, we put that yearbook to bed last Monday night. And uh, to be honest with you, I just needed some downtime and recollect time. Uh, it's been go, 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 and the, uh, the self-care hasn't been that great, and um, I just I couldn't squeeze it all in. And so uh, the podcast kind of went by the wayside for uh, about a month or more. Uh, it is good to be back with you. We distribute this coming Wednesday, just after Memorial Day, and uh, following along with everybody's updates and posts and celebrations online on Facebook and via the advisors and yearbooks that I follow on Twitter. It's just been thrilling uh, to watch this distribution season, and I can't wait for my kids at Tesserae to join you this coming Wednesday. Today on the podcast, I'm going to welcome Susan Massey and Joe Humphrey, two all-star advisors uh, from Kansas and Florida, respectively, longtime friends of mine, uh, experienced advisors, uh, talented, capable staffs, and uh, we're going to explore a little bit of the, the end of the year uh, wrap-up. We are going to take a look at uh, distribution and dealing with mistakes and corrections in the book, uh, helping to... Uh, bolster your staff's spirits and, and set some reasonable expectations for distribution and reacting to how your community consumes and enjoys the book. Uh, we're about to have that conversation, and, and I hope that you're looking forward to it as much as I am. Uh, just on the front side, I want to remind you that you can be in touch with me at iteachyearbook at gmail.com with questions or uh, input, and you can also find the podcast on Twitter at, at Yearbook Wise, that's Yearbook W-H-Y-S. If you're newer to the podcast or you're sharing this uh, with a friend, please encourage them to look back in the feed. Uh, there's about 25 episodes uh, for you to go look back at, uh, and I definitely want to recommend episode 11, the theme development episode with Carrie Faust uh, from around this time last year. It's just a, a master class. It's our most popular episode uh, by far and is a perfect listen for advisors, uh, students, decision makers, editors headed into the summer season, especially if you're headed towards a summer camp where people will be making decisions about uh, your 2020 book. So uh, without further ado, uh, here's my conversation with Susan Massey and Joe Humphrey. All right. As I said, joining me on the Yearbook Wise podcast today are Susan Massey and Joe Humphrey, two of my friends, two advisors from uh, across the country, Kansas and Florida, respectively. Uh, Susan, say hello to the audience and uh, introduce yourself, please. Hey, everybody. This is Susan Massey. I'm from Shawnee Mission Northwest High School, uh, which is a suburb um, of uh, the Kansas City area. And I advise yearbook, newspaper, website, and I teach photojournalism as well. And how long have you been at that, Susan? This is my 41st year. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. And have you been, has it been the same, is it teaching 41 years or advising every single one of those? 
I have advised every single one of those, but I started out in a very small high school uh, for my first teaching job of 241 students. And um, then after two years, I left there and I came to Northwest and I have been here ever since. Excellent. And, and yeah. for those pe- people who don't know, the Shawnee Mission Complex uh, consists of how many high schools there? We have five high schools. And, and quite a few of them have uh, world-class uh, journalism programs. You guys are very lucky. There's something in the water in Kansas City. <laughs> we uh, are real good friends and we work together and collaborate as much as we can. <laughs> absolutely. And my good friend, Joe Humphrey uh, from uh, Florida, go ahead and say hello and introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. Joe Humphrey from Tampa, Florida, where I advise at Hillsborough High School, the newspaper, the yearbook, the website, and I also teach English One. Excellent. And that keeps you, uh, are you guys on block or on a, on a rotating schedule or what, Joe? Uh, we have a seven-period day, but then a magnet program that's on a block on top of it. So they come in and out every other day. It's kind of awkward and unusual, but we make it work. And when you're not advising at uh, Hillsborough, you're also super active with the Florida Scholastic Press Association, right? That's correct. I'm the evaluations coordinator for FSPA, and I uh, help coordinate all of our contests. We had more than 3,000 digital contest entries this spring. So That's incredible. Lots of, uh, lots of work to evaluate. And let me put you on the spot, because I know this is the time when I'm thinking about like the wrap-up, end-of-the-year memberships and paperwork and this and that. We, we hadn't planned in the pregame to talk about this, but give us the 30-second the pitch on FSPA or any other local state association. If, if there's advisors out there listening who haven't joined up with a state association, what's in it for them, Joe? I think, you know, the key thing is just the opportunity for you to build relationships with your peers. And it's also, you know, usually leads to conventions, workshops, opportunities for you to get out of your school and go mingle with other people, understand what you're doing. That applies to both advisors and also students. You know, some of the greatest memories that my students make and they talk about years later or when we went to this convention or that convention or even that workshop at the local college. It really makes a difference. And then these organizations offer other services too, the contests and then the critiques where you can mail your publications in and get valuable feedback to help you in the year ahead. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm sure Susan would, would agree as well. There's just so many opportunities, be it professional development. I, I find it so powerful for my kids to recognize that there are students out there just as passionate about the things they're passionate about. I I often put it in terms of like lacrosse or, or a sport. It's easy to get that you could travel to states and find kids who enjoy really high level lacrosse. Like that kind of just makes sense. But to say people enjoy high level broadcast or high level yearbook or high level newspaper, they're like, wow, that's really nerdy. And yeah, it is, man. But there are kids out there exactly like you. <laughs> so right. So true. So one thing that I wanted to, uh, we, we want to explore end of the year, everything. It's kind of an end of the year potpourri. Um, I've been away from the microphone for about a month and a half working on a lot of end of the year things. And the the place that I wanted to start with you, uh, Susan, you know, you, you've had a lot of yearbooks show up off the back of trucks um, into your school. You've unboxed layer for uh, a couple decades with your kids. Uh, have your kids ever made an absolutely perfect uh, edition of layer? Oh my gosh, I think I would die and go to heaven if a perfect book ever appeared on the truck. That would be amazing. No, I don't think anybody's ever created a perfect book. And we're talking about that, you know, that moment when, and I've experienced it, Joe, I'm guessing you have too, the books come off or the boxes come off 
you very carefully slice into them, you crack the spine, you look and you're just on, you know, your eyes are drifting over page 37 and boom, there it is, the first typo. Uh, and that, you know, it, 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 it's like the first scratch on your car, right? I, <laughs> you know, I gotta tell you, if the it, first typo is on page 37, good for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's right. So what I want to talk with you guys about, just you know, you've both been at this a while, um, and Susan, I'll come back to you and then and then get Joe in here. How do you? How have you coached your kids in in dealing with that? Um, full disclosure: we have a, a very small um, typesetting typo, an extra space uh, in front of a dash on our spine this year, and my kids, when they caught it um, out of the box, they were just like crestfallen and i said guys it's like it's a space like we didn't spell the name of the school wrong like it's just a space and they're like we know but it's not perfect and i'm like no book is but but susan how do you approach that conversation with your kids well i think you you start right where you were just talking about no book is ever perfect and gosh if it's a space i'll take a space over a misspelled name any day of the week um i opened i always open my book the first time to a random page I opened and um, in the headline, a student's name is spelled incorrectly. We swapped two letters around and, you know, the kids all saw my face fall. And so I had to go, hey, no, it's okay. Here's what this is. Here's what happened. Here's how you deal with it. Let's write a note to him. He hasn't even seen the book yet. And just let him know that we're aware that we made this error. And then it's a big error because it's in a headline. Um, And say we're sorry and say that we'll sure work hard next year to get his name right. You know, Um, I think we all have to understand and you hear this analogy all the time. Our students are publishing their homework and I would put my kids homework against anybody else in the building. Um, I think their work is extremely well done. I'm always proud of them. Um, sure, we're going to have some bobbles and some misses. That's just the nature of the beast. I don't want it to be there. My kids don't want it to be there. But I think we recognize the realities of our own imperfections. Right. And Joe, what have those conversations been like in your life? I'd say pretty similar. Um, one thing I'd stress is you have to take it seriously. You know, you don't laugh it off. You don't say, oh, ha, ha, ha. You know, we are making a product. We do have customers. And your books certainly have a permanence to them that this, uh, that mistake, you know, is possibly going to endure forever. Um, so you do need to take it seriously. And so we really try to do that when any, when anything like that happens. Now, a lot of people, a lot of the advice that I've seen online, um, and we've had to engage with it, especially when it comes to portraits or ads, things like that involve, uh, crack and peel stickers to make corrections. Uh, Susan, have you guys ever had to do that to lay over a, a graphic or a missing ad or something like that? Um, we've never done it to lay over a missing ad um, because that means you're covering up somebody else's ad. Um, we have done a crack and peel on an ad when there was a pretty major error in the in the copy that was in that ad. And we gave this, the family a choice of we would correct it on a crack and peel and give them as many copies as possible. Clearly this was, we discovered the era, error after the books were already distributed. Right. And so they asked for 150 copies of their ad on a crack and peel and we got those to them. Um, this past year, not this year, but last year, there were some baby ad pictures that were swapped between ads. 
Um, we did not realize that until very, very late. Uh, school was out, everything was done. And so for those people, we refunded their money. Um, you just can't make those kinds of errors on a product that you're selling um, and expect people just to be okay with it. So we don't like to do a lot of refunds, but I'm also a big, per, a big, it's a big deal to me to make things right. Right. And so we work to do that. And, and recognizing that often, uh, maybe not with seniors, but the people for whom you are making things right could be customers again next year or could, in the court of public opinion, be uh, people who said, you know what, they, they made a mistake and they owned it and I was happy with how they handled it and you know these are this is a program worth supporting or they could tear you down on social media these days, right? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. You, We've had books that have come out and social media has been just brutal. Uh, in what they have to say. And you end up having to tell the kids, you know what, you're gonna have to mute that. Turn it down for a week. Just don't, don't look, don't pay attention. You just can't look at that. Yeah. Because it is so brutal. And the students who are writing it, I just don't think they have an understanding of how awful that is for students who, who produce that book. Um, and, and maybe they don't care. I don't know, but it's, right. it's tough. And, and, and there's that, that, uh, thin veneer of, of, you know, quote anonymity uh, on Twitter, you know, exactly who it is, but behind, because they're behind a screen and behind a keyboard, yeah, I'm finding more and more of those people on, let's say Twitter will launch at my kids, you know, without a second thought. Absolutely. Um, Joe, is that something that the kids at Hillsborough have had to contend with the, the prevalence of social media or getting, uh, critical feedback that way, reacting to mistakes, and and you know, are, is there a, a pins and needles in those hours after which the book comes out? You know, I tell you, I don't celebrate a yearbook until seventy two hours after we've begun distribution, because I figure that's about the window of time when, if there's anything serious, we're going to know about it. So that's three days of waiting. I don't tell my kids to stay off social media. I tell them not to engage, or I tell them to engage professionally. Um, but I don't want them to get into a shouting match on Twitter or Instagram with somebody um, because, again, we take it seriously. We want to know if there's a problem. We want to be able to backtrack and figure out what we did wrong so that we can fix it in the future. Um, but, no, we don't shy away from uh, social media. I will tell you I don't have a voicemail, though, uh, at the school, and uh, that's strategic. So right. Right. Uh, I, I prefer a, a good handwritten message. Um have you speaking about about messaging um joe has your program engaged at all in a uh you know a, a letter that's tucked inside the the front cover at distribution we've we've done a letter a slip of paper but have you gotten out in front of it and said hey this is a book that was made by your peers a group of teenagers just like there's a spelling mistake in your chemistry lab there are some typos in here we regret them but please enjoy the book do you guys take that approach and get ahead of it at all I think that's a great approach, and I've seen it at a lot of schools, but I don't think our audience would read that letter. They'd be like, what is this thing tucked inside of my yearbook? Why is it here? Right. So, no, we uh, you know, we just have them deal with us face-to-face -face or over the phone. Got it. And Susan, for you, have you guys gotten out in front of anything that way? Um, we've done the letter once, and um, the reaction at my student of our student body was so horrible. They felt like we were making excuses before they had even seen the book. And I think it made them look for mistakes even harder. We got more critical feedback after we published that letter for the first time 
we just don't do it anymore. Um, yeah. We just take, we just roll with the punches, whatever they are, we're going to deal with it as it comes in. That's really, really interesting. And I, and I, I valid, we, like I preface, we, we do uh, include a note, um, but that's really interesting feedback. Um, on that, I was thinking, of, go ahead, Joe. On that same front, I just want to give you some advice. Do not ever say to a parent, ma'am, we're not the New York Times because you are setting yourself up for failure there because the response is going to be no, no, you are not. Um, so just be careful about trying to, um, I, in some senses, I feel like the letter when you say, oh, these are students, um, it does give ammunition to uh, critics. So just be careful about that. Yeah, that's uh, that's really good feedback and something for that, I, that yeah, I'm, I'm learning here too. I can take that back to, uh, to to my editors. You know, I was so disheartened to see a post um, this week. I, I think both of you are, uh, to one extent or another, active on some of the, the Facebook groups. And I think it was in maybe the high school yearbook uh, teachers and advisors group where a, uh, a, a colleague of the advisor went after the yearbook staff and a yearbook kid in a different class. Like this would be the, the history teacher goes after a yearbook kid in history class and really tore them down in front of the history class, uh, went after the book, critiqued and all the rest. And my heart just broke for that advisor and for those kids. Um, have you ever had to um, intervene or correct or address issues like that with your own uh, colleagues at all? Susan? Um, yes. Um, occasionally you'll have a teacher that goes through and marks the whole book up um, with all the errors that you've made, uh, shares them with everybody else in the language arts or social studies or whatever department they're in. And then it trickles back to the kids and the kids are really hurt. Um, I've had teachers lambast a particular story or a way a particular story was covered. Um, generally what I ask is that my students come talk to me and let me know what's happened. And then the student and I are going to go to that teacher and have a discussion. I'm not going to yell at them, but I am going to stand up for my students. I want the teachers at my school to have the same respect for the kids working on the yearbook staff that they would on any for any other group of students that is putting themselves out there publicly. Um, the play, an athlete, you know, the drill team, whatever. Right. Uh, you just don't do that to students in front of a class. I would never say that directly, but that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. <laughs> no, I, I, and you think about the number of times, you know, maybe somebody goes to Romeo and Juliet and, you know, Romeo's not all that up on stage, but you got to think that they're not going to go after the kid Monday morning in geometry, right? So uh, yeah, I'm totally with you. And it's just so dispiriting to hear that, that people have been, uh, been that petty. Um, lest I make this sound just like commiserating on, on horror <laughs> stories. <laughs> um, Joe, when you guys release, in, in what ways do you uh, pump up your kids and, and celebrate them. Do you, do you give them, uh, is this a in lab kind of a, a private moment to, uh, to, to tell them how proud you are of them? Do you guys roll right into distribution? And then, like you said, celebrate three days later, what, what, what is, what does distribution look like at, at Hillsborough? So because we have a magnet program that gets out around May 1st, we, uh, we cut it pretty close with distribution this year. We got our books on a Wednesday at about 10 30 and around 11.30 Wednesday, we started distribution. Wow. That included inserting two supplements. Oh I gosh. had an army of volunteers inserting supplements while kids were coming in to pick up their yearbooks in a lunch. 
on that particular day. That is so that is as close to hot off the presses as it gets in the yearbook world, man. In fact, this year it happened in the middle of an evacuation drill. And so I told my staff, please round up any kid who has ever tried to date you, bring them over here and give them a box. And because we we deliver, we're a first floor, uh, kind of up a, a slight hill by Florida standards. And um, we deliver right outside the window of my room and bring the boxes up the hill, through the window, and away we go. Uh, it's the path of least resistance for us. So it actually was timed perfectly. We we just uh, we had all sorts of random uh, strangers, strong uh, strong young men helping us uh, get the books in the window so we could begin distribution. Wow. And and is it a pretty uh, brass tacks distribution? It's it's just uh, check their name off a list, get it in their hands, and they're on yep, their way. Absolutely. We put the inserts in. They give us their name. We hand them their book. We wish them well on their journey. Got it. And and Susan, how does that look for you all at Lair? Um, well, we get our books significantly earlier than Joe does. Um, I think I would have a heart attack yeah. if my book came in just an hour before I needed to start distribution. Um, we do a lot of prep when we do a lot of checking to make sure that students are picking up their books and not picking up um, additional books for their friends or anything else. So people have to sign before they can just take a book and our school asks that we ask them to show some kind of identification that identification can be the teacher who's bringing them down can identify them they can use their student id they can use their picture in the yearbook there's lots of options um, so it isn't too much of a, a jam for us but we hand them all out in the gymnasium this is the first time we've done that um, in the past we actually delivered them to every classroom but um, this year we switched and I liked it a lot better. It wasn't nearly as chaotic and, and crazy, but we also distribute in two waves. So seniors get their books first, um, right after the senior breakfast. And then the underclass comes in in the afternoon and picks up their books. And then there's a signing party afterwards. Got it. And the signing party, is that hosted by you and your students? Um, yes, but I mean, there's not a lot of hosting to it. It's only about 45 minutes long. Um, and it's during school time and students can choose to leave or stay. We don't have like food or anything like that. Um, uh, that's just not something that we've gotten into. We have talked about doing something a little more formal in the future, but so far, no. <laughs> got it. Got it. And, and for a third way, um, and I've been in your room, Joe, I've seen the, the window through which the books come. <laughs> um, we, uh, we, we distribute over all three lunch periods um, in our commons area, and we do a spread. My staff, uh, we've got 45 kids on staff. They each bring in three dozen um, treats, uh, finger foods, cupcakes, brownies, cookies, whatever. Uh, and we do an iced coffee bar with a local coffee shop, and the kids pick up books and can have some light refreshments and snacks. And then on the bell, uh, they go back to uh, routine. And so we, over our three periods of lunch, we kind of get three waves uh, through uh, distribute by uh, grade level at different tables to set up different lines. So uh, for those of you listening, there's lots of different ways to do this uh, along the spectrum of very simple, as Joe said, and they you wish them well and send them on their way or, you know, put a, a party and some music to it. And certainly um, you, you've got to find the, the way that's right for you and for your school's needs and, and traditions. Um, Joe, I want to roll back to you. Uh, the books have been out for a while now. When you're cruising into, let's say, your, your final week or so and 
this might not be germane to 2019, but maybe you can broaden it and you know think about your your program on average. Uh, what do you do to get rid of those last, you know, 30 or 40 books? Do they tend to sell themselves uh, at your school? Or are you guys fighting for it and doing, you know, last minute sale, last minute push on social? How, how do you get the word around if you've got, you know, an, another two dozen to go? You know, I think we could probably do a better job in that area than we're doing now, to be honest with you. Um, but we probably have about 20 books left to go. And it looks like we'll go into the fall with those and, and try to package them with next year's books for some people. Um, might make one more push at graduation, which is tomorrow, just to let people know, hey, we still have your books available. Come on down next week and get them if you didn't happen to get one. Uh, we probably should have a table at graduation tomorrow, but uh, didn't think about it. So maybe next year. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And and Susan, for you, does does Layer pretty much take care of itself, or do you guys put on a, a push, or maybe even stretch the the time frame on this back to you know like April first as you're coming into the the final turn, as it were? Um, we sell books. Uh, the price goes up after, in January um, by ten dollars, and students can continue to buy books clear through the middle part of April. Starting in April, then we do a wait list. And we generally have about a hundred people on the wait list. I realize that that's going to happen. So I order the books for them. I mean, I plan on them coming to purchase the books. Um, this year, right now we're sitting with maybe 15 or 20 more books than I want to keep. Um, I do keep about 10 copies um, just here in the, in the building for archival uses um, but I've got about 10 left. And, um, honestly, the big issue is that I've got about 50 people who purchased the book and haven't picked it up. Yep. And the issue with that is always, well, do I sell that book? Do I, how long do I hang on to that book? I had a girl show up in 1994 to pick up her 1974 yearbook. What? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, Pardon me, um, I wasn't the advisor in 1974. Like you, I was in high school. Wow. And she said, but I paid for it. And she said, um, but do you have it? And I said, do you have your receipt? <laughs> and she said, it's been 20 years. And I said, that's kind of my point. Right. Is it's been 20 years and... I don't have your book any more than you have your receipt. So we did figure it out and I, we got her a book and sold it to her for a diminished price and it was fine. Wow. But yeah, I just couldn't believe 20 years after she comes in and thinks I'm going to have her book. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely incredible. That's a great story. <laughs> Susan, you can mail me one of those books and if the kid ever shows up, I'll, I'll mail it back. Okay. Good deal. Yeah. Well, listen, friends, I, I want to make the turn to, uh, I want to bring it back to your kids uh, and the staff. We've talked through, you know, typos and, and errors. Um, we could do a whole podcast, I'm sure, on senior quotes and yearbooks showing up in the news. Um, there's so much. There's, it seems like there's a headline a day about, you know, a Hitler quote or this OK sign that means white supremacy showing up in like, you know, the, the drama club's group picture. That's another conversation for another day. Uh, if we bring it back to your staffs, uh, Susan, what's a, maybe a one, two, three that you do with your kids 
uh, as you're winding down, either uh, celebrating them, decompressing with them, enjoying an afterglow with them, maybe towards you know setting the stage for next year. Um, this could be as various as a end of the year, you know, dessert night or banquet. Just just give the audience a little feel for for what the end and and the wrap up looks like for your team. We have a huge banquet. Um, we strangely enough, it's at a, a, a residential place for el- the elderly. Um, but the kids come in their formal attire. Um, parents come. We have about a hundred and eighty to two hundred people that attend it every year. Students and their families. Um, we celebrate everything. <laughs> we give out awards. We call them the best of awards, and it's the best of the year. Um, the students vote on who should receive those awards. Um, we, you know, have them come forward. We have uh, certificates and prizes and all kinds of stuff. Um, at the end of the banquet, uh, we recognize the seniors. Uh, I always have gifts for them. Um, but it's a it's just such a cool night where the parents get to see why their children haven't been home all year. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I get so many compliments when they actually get to see the full body of work that the newspaper kids, the yearbook kids, and the photographers have all done during the course of the year. So that is our big celebration. Um, we also have traditions on the last day of the seniors, the last day that they are in class. And um, the seniors write notes to everyone on staff and tell them what they enjoyed about them. And the kids all write notes back. Hmm. And it's just the coolest thing to see. I don't know. Everybody cries. <laughs> I guess that's not cool, but it's cool. Right. Um, and then I always read to them um, the the piece, uh, everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. Yes. And we join hands for one last time and head out into the world. Hmm. That I'm sounds, sad. No, Can I say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the, get the Kleenex out. It, it sounds, it sounds, it sounds just lovely. And, and Joe, uh, down at Hillsborough, what, what's the wrap up look like? For yeah. You once our team? book is complete, I cut off all communication with the yearbook staff. I don't ever want to speak to them again. See them again. <laughs> yeah. uh, pretty similar, uh, smaller scale. We had a banquet. We have a banquet do it in our classroom. Um, this is home to us. Room 506 is home. So we did it here. Uh, had some delicious Italian food and shared stories and took pictures all over campus. The tradition here for the past few years has been for me, for reasons I don't really know, but I read a the lyrics of a country music song to my staff because I would never play a country music song for them because <laughs> they would not appreciate that much as I do. So this year's was um, The River by Garth Brooks, hmm. and uh, we really enjoyed that. Uh, some other things we do, you know, we try to use the class time when students aren't in standardized tests to begin planning towards next year. We have a, sure. we have a working theme that has nothing to do with optometry. And so we're excited about that. And uh, part of the exam, uh, the project portion of the exam actually involves uh, creating some spinoff mod ideas and designing some mock-ups so that we go into the summer with some ideas to try to spin that around. We had a getting to know you activity for our our returning staff as well as some new people. Uh, That includes the 
um, staff that's returning, the kids coming up from J1, the random kids we've picked up around campus, even some rising ninth graders. Uh, we recruited some eighth graders straight onto staff, and all four of them made it, which was pretty cool. Uh, so we played games and, of course, ate and had a good time. So that's that's been what May has been like around here. That sounds lovely. That just sounds wonderful. We, um, I shared with you in pregame that our graduation is on June 27th. So I've got kids. Uh, our last day in class is June 17th uh, with the kids, and then we go to finals. And so we've got uh, a theme development prob- uh, project for Volume 6 coming up. We've just named next year's uh, editors-in-chief. We, we tend to do that in May. Um, we're reaching out to the rising ninth graders uh, to recruit and um, – I'm sure I'm going to have a nightmare sometime in the next 72 hours because we've got distribution on Wednesday and it's time for the nightmares about, you know, us forgetting something or whatever. So that happens too. Um, You know, a week ago I was feeling super, super done with this year, done with my kids, done with the work, just ready to be capital D-O-N-E done. And I know that I'm not alone in that. I know you guys have both been around the block um, long enough to – even if it's a great year, just there's something about the, the end of it and those transitions. Um, I'm wondering, as you reflect on your time in the classroom, what advice you have for advisors out there who especially, you know, maybe didn't have that great of a year or had a, a terrible distribution, you know, with some, some real serious issues they had to confront with their administrators or community um, from your places of experience, um, Joe, I'll, I'll put you on it first. What would you say to that advisor who's, who's just absolutely tapped out and, and needs some inspiration to get them transitioned to, to summer and maybe to next year beyond? I would start with, I totally understand where you're coming from, brother or sister, because, uh, you know, I think it's natural for us to feel that way. Uh, but going forward, I would say, you know, they need to use their summer to focus on a few big rocks. You know, you're not going to be able to fix everything uh, going forward, but what are some of the priorities, big and small, that you can work on to improve and build a plan and get your students as engaged as you can in this process to help repairing whatever went wrong. If you had a problem with the people section, you know, what are we going to do to fix that? If we had problems getting students motivated and out the door to do uh, student life coverage, how are we going to fix that? Uh, our, our big rock for next year is uh, the club section. Um, and I'm sure there's a archived podcast or two I can go back and listen to for some advice on that. But that was a disaster in terms of how it was managed. And so I blame myself mainly. But we need to fix that going forward next year. And it's just to have that in the back of the mind and know here's the action plan of what we're going to work on and get better at. Yeah, I really appreciate that that advice, Joe, because I think we can get overwhelmed with thinking if we made an itemized list of everything that went wrong, everything we're frustrated about, it could be utterly overwhelming. But focusing on, you know, a few core issues and really trying to resolve to address that and not drown in improvements, um, that's that's really, really sage uh, advice. Uh, Susan, could you pick it up there? I think the other thing that I'd be saying, well, first of all, I totally agree with this idea of pick one or two big things and work to fix them. We do that every year. Um, There's always something that didn't go quite the way we wanted. And, you know, you, you say, okay, well, we'll do better next time. Beyond that, 
I think the next thing that advisors have to do is number one, be kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, we're only human and we can only do what we can do. And there are not enough hours in the day to do everything an advisor should or needs to do, or at least I don't have enough day or hours in my days. Maybe it's just me. Um, and so be kind to yourself, give yourself a break, take a, a week, a two weeks off and don't think about it. Go do whatever it is that you enjoy in life. Spend it with people you love, you know, make up for all that time you were at school and just get away. After that, I would say find time for your staff to meet once or twice or whatever is comfortable for you during the summer. I think our summer meetings are some of the most fun times we have together. Um, Get to a workshop if you can um, with your students. And if not, go on your own. Um, My first several years of teaching, the first year I did go to a workshop um, with my students and took the advisor track. And then the next couple of years, I didn't have students that were able to go. So I just went on my own. And I really enjoyed the time getting to know other advisors, getting to listen to people who are walking in my shoes, um, getting to share war stories with them, as well as listen to how they handled whatever it was that went wrong. Um, I think I got more from those experiences Um, than any other time. And then the final thing I would say, I'm all about people. So um, the final thing I would say is develop a core group of friends who do what you do. Yes. Um, In the Shawnee Mission District, I am blessed to have four other teachers that I can turn to. The Blue Valley District is right here as well. And we all get along and talk and do things together. Um, In fact, the whole Kansas City area is getting together next week to exchange books. Mm-hmm. And we will bemoan, you know, <laughs> yep. all the things that are right and wrong in our books and compliment each other. Um, and that is just such a wonderful, relaxed time for a bunch of yearbook nerds to go through and spend two hours looking at lots and lots of books. Yeah. So look for that kind of camaraderie. I think all of us need that. You know, you speak about camaraderie and networking, and, and a subtext there is that each of us is not alone. Um, I, I feel so often like an island in my building because I'm the only one that does what I do in the building. But the network that, and the friendships that I enjoy with the two of you and other people who have been guest people that we see at conventions, that's that's heart and soul stuff right there that absolutely sustains me. So, so thank you for, for speaking to that. Um, and thank you to, to you, Susan Massey, and to you, Joe Humphrey, for being on the podcast today, you guys. It's been awesome chatting with you. Uh, and uh, like I said, I've been away from it for a while, and I, I just can't think of two finer folks to help me uh, get into the summer with this, uh, this ongoing project. So thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I've enjoyed it. Absolutely. Thanks, and Joe, it's good to hear your voice again, too, brother. Good to be here. We will uh, talk to you guys again soon, and uh, thanks again. I'm always grateful to the advisors who come on the show and uh, and share their words of wisdom with all of you in the audience. And whether it was uh, advice that you take away from today on, on what you can do with new practices and opportunities for your staff at distribution, or maybe just words of comfort, uh, recognizing that, uh, that you're not alone out there. I hope that you took something away from this conversation with Susan and Joe. And again, uh, to Susan and Joe, 
and everybody else we've had through on the, uh, on the show. Thank you so much for sharing of yourselves, your time, and your expertise. One treat for all of you uh, out in the audience, if it's of some use to you either on instruction or use with your own staffs, uh, is a look back at my team's last five books uh, via a URL link that I'm going to give you now. It is tinyurl.com slash share. That's T-E-S-S-S-H-A-R-E. Tess, like Tesseray, share. Uh, we've got volumes one through four there right now. And later this week, if you check back, you'll see volume five posted there as well. Uh, that's a slide, uh, slide deck of each of the last five books uh, via Dropbox. And you are more than welcome to use those in your own instruction, critique, sharing, uh, in whatever way they'd be useful to you. Uh, that just about does it uh, for this episode of the Yearbook Wise podcast. Once again, be in touch via email at iteachyearbook at gmail.com and find us on Twitter at, at yearbookwise. As you guys look forward to uh, the summer, uh, I wish you all the best and we will be back in touch soon with more episodes. But for now, good luck, be well, and we'll talk soon.